0: Welcome to Startup Cornell, a podcast exploring the bold entrepreneurial ideas coming from our students, faculty, staff, and alumni. I'm Kathy Havis, your host, and today we're talking with Harman Singh Narula. He's co-founder and CEO of Canary Technologies, a hotel technology company. Canary provides a host of guest-facing operations technologies to thousands of hotels across the globe. They provide everything from mobile check-in to digital tipping. Harman is a graduate of the hotel school and has been an entrepreneur in residence there. He also advises a number of technology companies in Silicon Valley. To find out more about entrepreneurship at Cornell and see show notes from this episode, visit eship.cornell.edu. And remember to rate and review our podcast by scrolling to the bottom, and that way more entrepreneurs can find the podcast and be inspired to follow their dreams. So welcome, Harmon. I'm so glad you could join us today.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Kathy. Great. great to be here.
0: Great. So why don't you start by giving us the 30-second pitch about Canary Technologies and tell us kind of how you came up with this idea.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Canary is a vertical software business focused on hotels, currently focused and the leader in guest-facing solutions for hotels, so solutions to help them streamline operations, make more money, improve the staff experience, enhance the guest experience, Solutions we provide, you kind of named some of them, but things like mobile check-in, mobile checkout, guest messaging, dynamic upselling, digital tipping, as you mentioned, is is really critical right now, and a host of others as well. We work with tens of thousands of hoteliers across the globe in more than 80 different countries. We're brand mandated or preferred by some of the biggest brands, management groups, ownership groups in the world, people like Wyndham's and Marriott's and Choice, et cetera, of the world. And so... We're really focused on making sure that we're helping the hotelier not only provide the best experience for their team and for their business, but also to enhance the guest experience. So that's kind of the quick
0: in terms of who we are at Canary. That's great. That's great. So you had a variety of other roles after you finished your education before you came up with this idea. Tell us, like, how did you come up with this as something you wanted to take forward as a business?
1: yeah so I think for me I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. that's kind of what I envisioned that you know I've started a few different businesses in the past smaller scale I started a company while I was in in college as well I always wanted to work on something but wasn't quite sure like what that was going to be or what the right timing would be for me as well. And so I I worked in management consulting, I worked in finance, worked at a, a large hotel company. and so as I was trying to figure out, what direction I was going, I was chatting with a buddy of mine who was also now my co-founder, one of my really close friends, SJ. He, prior to Canary, was actually working at another, or was a part of a another hotel technology company. And so a lot of the conversations him and I were having were around hospitality, hospitality technology, because I had spent time working at a large hotel technology company, had gone to the hotel school. I tried to start another hotel technology company in the past. And so that was kind of the origination of Canary, where... We were kind of going down, things that he was thinking about or he was exploring. And I was kind of saying, yeah, this kind of works like this and so forth. And, and that's kind of how Canary came about and how we started the business together.
0: That's awesome. So what kind of company did you start when you were in college? Was it a hotel related company or was it like some completely different thing?
1: Yeah, it, it was not. <laughs> it was a company called The Shirt Guys. It was a custom printed apparel company. Ah, there you go. we were basically helping different organizations on campus, uh, clubs, fraternities, fraternities, the university itself, printing swag, basically.
0: That's great. Good for you. And it does not still exist to this day, does it?
1: it? It does not. But interestingly enough, so, you know, we would use contract printers and we'd order the garments directly from distributors and so forth. And it was, it was a pretty cool experience, honestly, and obviously taught me a lot, but also oh, when it I'm means sure. to run, a, run a company, run a business. But I think what's cool is a lot of the swag that Canary and so forth gets printed is, is via those same relationships back in the day. Uh, so there so, you go. Uh, right. That's oh, come full circle for me, which is pretty cool.
0: That is pretty cool. All those connections are good to make along the way and keep for sure. Yeah. That's great. So talk about what some of the greatest successes you have had so far, maybe when you knew that you really had something that was going to be really great for hotels and what some of the, since that time, would have been some of the greatest successes for your company?
1: Yeah. So super proud of kind of the the team that we built here. We've kind of scaled the team and that's kind of one of the most important pieces of building a business. And from my point of view, as you continue to scale. And so I think that's something that's like really critical. I think we've, we've done a really good job of building a team of kind of a players i think we've knocked down a lot of the large brands and manager companies and so forth that in our industry which i think is a pretty good reflection of you know not only having brought really great products to market but also being a company that these folks want to work with because that takes a lot for large enterprises to want to trust and and work with companies like us and then i think we've recently we've won a bunch of awards so that's kind of cool recognition that we won recently i think a hotel tech report which is kind of in the industry kind of the the benchmark for hotel technology canary won eight different awards or was recognized by and this is voted upon by hoteliers. oh that's uh, great of, like the guest experience platform which was really cool we also won an award people's choice of award which is pretty interesting kind of niche obviously because it's hotel tech but A cool part of that was that Canary received the the most number of votes across, like, every vendor, I think, that was surveyed, which was pretty cool recognition for kind of what we're doing. Right. Um, And so probably some of the more recent kind of milestones and
0: achievements that I'd say
1: we're pretty proud of here.
0: That's wonderful. So is the People's Choice also voted on by hotel owners and managers, or is it, like, it's not guests who stay there?
1: Yeah, it's all done by... Hoteliers. So hoteliers come on and kind of review the folks that they work with. And so forth. a piece of that is also they'll kind of recognize the top places to work in hotel technology. And Canary was recognized as one of those, which was kind of cool.
0: Oh, that's great. So how many people do you have working for you now?
1: We've got 150 to 200 folks at Canary at this point, kind of spread out across our major
0: hubs and kind of across the globe at this point. So. Right. That's great. Good for you. I mean, I'm sure one of your goals is to continue to reach out into more businesses and or across the globe kind of hotels and organizations but are there other things on the horizon are there some new initiatives or new products that you're working on or goals for the next few years that you have in mind
1: yeah absolutely the way we be kind of think about the market is that you want to kind of continue to follow the bouncing ball right and so like what are the different areas that hoteliers need help with like what are places that we can continue to kind of fill gaps that they might have? from a technology standpoint, from an operational standpoint, as well as what are some places that might need a refresh where there's technologies that might be able to significantly improve kind of their current processes and the current experience for guests and so forth. I think you'll continue to see us launch additional pieces that are helping hoteliers kind of fill some of those gaps. I think another thing that's interesting that everyone's talking about right now is AI. And I think there's a lot of talk around what does that mean? Where is it embedded? Is it embedded within each vertical? What are the different applications and so forth that folks are going to utilize? And there's a lot of talk about it, but I'd say there's few products in each of the verticals that are necessarily in the market. And so that's one area that we're really excited about, given the investments that we're making there and so forth. We recently uh, had an announcement on some solutions we're providing across Wyndham properties. And it's going to be one of the largest, if not the largest, rollout of guest-facing AI technology in hospitality, which we're really excited about and I think will be really, really impactful across the industry.
0: That's wonderful. And I wonder if during COVID, did some of your products even become more popular with mobile check-in and digital tipping or any way to like not actually interact with, with any physical people or were there technologies you came up with that, that address those needs too? Yeah, COVID was
1: so interesting. We talk and think about that a lot as you kind of think about the history of the business. Just in that like obviously folks were so, so impacted by it and it was such an uncertain time, not only from a business perspective, but just from like the human experience perspective. And I think hoteliers were no different, obviously, an industry that was extremely impacted. Right. And so we actually did a bunch of work with our customers at that point. It was... Think about it kind of as pro bono work almost, whereas we were just talking to a lot of our customers about like, hey, what can we do to help and what types of needs do you have right now? And like, how can we do something or build something to help you on those things? And so there was a couple of solutions we actually launched, which they're not kind of core solutions that we provide, but at the time they were helping a lot of our customers. There was a gift card solution that we did for folks so that they could, in their local communities, hoteliers could sell kind of prepaid. Gift cards to folks to try to help them generate some cash flow, right? Because they still had to make their debt payments and so forth, right? right. Um, and then another thing that we had done, we had done some work for a lot of our large management companies and so forth that had unfortunately had to go through like furloughing folks, but still wanted to be able to provide benefits in a specific way, and so they had to collect certain types of information and payments from their team members, and so we kind of took one of our solutions and and crafted in a way that was very specific for that use case and, and, and didn't charge anyone for any of these things. Oh, that's um, nice. Just as a look, like we were in a position to be able to help. We have this team that's able to build technologies very quickly. And so that was the approach and that was kind of what happened with us during COVID. The industry was also very different in that like, one of the things that we saw change very, very significantly was also just the mindset within the industry in terms of the approach to technology. Right, and so vertical markets, specifically vertical markets, something, especially something like hospitality, which is you know one of the oldest industries in the world, they tend to be a little bit slower moving when it comes to technology. Right, right. There's a bunch of different verticals, that, things like manufacturing, et cetera, that are like this as well. Right, right. And so hospitality was no different, and the hotels were no different in that it was probably a little bit slower of a moving industry when it came to technology, and COVID really impacted this greatly. Folks saw this across a lot of different industries. But in hospitality specifically, we saw it kind of firsthand and that the mindset of owners, operators towards technology shifted a bit where there was a little bit more of, hey, this feels more like a need and necessity and inevitability that I'm going to need to need upgrade the types of solutions we're using or bring on and fill a bunch of these gaps that I have. And so that was really interesting for us as well, because we started to see a lot of the vision or the kind of the hope that we had for the industry in terms of what direction it was going to move, we started to see that accelerate and happen even quicker. And so we took that opportunity to say, okay, we need to get even quicker in terms of launching some of the things that are on our roadmap as hoteliers, the demands are also rapidly increasing from the hotel side.
0: That's great. So when you go to a hotel for vacation or business, do you often like get to stay at one that is using some of your technology and so you get to see like how it's working on the other end?
1: So we do. We do Sometimes, n- not to the happiness of necessarily my wife or my family. I do try to make sure that we are either visiting or <laughs> staying at properties that are utilizing our solutions, at least to kind of take a look at what's going on. And if not, my wife jokes about it a lot, at least during the check-in process. I'll at least spend some time chatting with them about right. what they're using. Whether or not they're using an area, I think it's just a good opportunity to hear what's going on right. on the property. We definitely do have an, an affinity At Canary, though, we do have a, we try to make sure that we have folks constantly going out and and meeting with our hoteliers as well. So it's a good, ensure that we have that feedback loop to hear what's happening.
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your time at Cornell. You've mentioned that you started a business. Did you come into Cornell even as a first year student knowing like, I want to be an entrepreneur, I'm going to be a hotelie, or were there different experiences or groups or classes or people that helped make you think, oh, this is what I want to do. I'm going to be a founder of a company someday.
1: Yeah. When I think back to my Cornell experience, I think like it's probably one of the most formative years for a lot of folks. There, are you know, that kind of young adulthood. You're away from home and you're kind of not only finding yourself, but kind of figuring out what you want to do. And you're heavily influenced by those around you as well. So there was definitely experiences at Cornell that absolutely impacted me and influenced me. But I think people was probably the, the the biggest piece of that. So there was definitely like professors and classes and so forth. But as I look back on that, like the, the, the people and you know the people that I was surrounded with, a lot of the individuals that I still have a relationship with certainly had a massive impact on me. I think one of the things that's interesting that I think a little bit about now is just how those relationships have kind of carried through and the impact that they've had from Cornell and how that's kind of impacted my entrepreneurial journey. So my co-founder is one of my closest friends kind of growing up, one of my best friends. He wasn't a Cornellian, but really close friend that I had. And then one of first investors in Canary was one of my closest friends at Cornell, who till this day, I'm still very close with. And so he was him, he was kind of one of the first people that invested in Canary. One of our first team members that we hired and maybe employee number one or or so was another one of my really close friends from Cornell and and roommates that were like very close friends of mine. He was one of our first team members to join. One of the first hoteliers that we worked with and we did a lot of testing with and continue to work with today is one of my other really good friends from Cornell as well, another hotelie who I also lived with and now runs a group of hotels in the Northeast. And then today, Canary's Council, you know, our, our outside council, is also a friend from Cornell, a buddy that went through ILR and went right. and worked at one of the big law firms. And now the, our council at Canary as well. And so I think about that a lot. It's just that those relationships from Cornell kind of have carried through and obviously had a very big impact. So it's probably the people the most that kind of affected my journey as an entrepreneur, yeah, I came into Cornell thinking that entrepreneurship was something that I was intrigued and interested by. And then I think over time kind of discovered what parts of entrepreneurship were more interesting to me and so forth.
0: So when you think about your characteristics and your personality and the way you operate, are there certain things that you think of that make you more likely to be an entrepreneur? Are there there things that you think, oh, this is probably why I ended up being an entrepreneur instead of someone? I mean, obviously we have worked in other companies, so you've done that piece too. But what do you think makes you happiest about being an entrepreneur? What about your personality makes you suited for that?
1: Yeah, I think, like, the most exciting part of being an entrepreneur, from my point of view, is just, like, the consistent problem solving and this concept of, like, zero to one or, like, figuring it out from scratch. And so, like, in many situations, there is a lot of content out there you can read, you can get experience, you can talk to your mentors, you can learn from us. But at the end of the day, you still have to kind of figure it out for your business and every business is unique. And so I think this approach, this like optimism to like, we can solve this problem, we can figure it out is probably the like most critical characteristic of an entrepreneur. And I think, and, and, and for me, I really enjoy that. And I think that's something that I'm pretty good at in terms of just like trying to figure out problems and kind of crack. How do we approach this? How do we figure this out? And then I think the other piece is just like persistence. And sometimes I, I say this is like you know like a lot of entrepreneurs just not only is it persistence but you're kind of like shame you're you're persistent to the degree mm-hmm. of like just being shameless right, uh, right where it's like I really believe we need to do this we really need to recruit and hire this person sure said they're not necessarily interested right now but we're gonna continue chatting with them and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going, and keep going until finally you get kind of yes. get to the point and so I put like persistence and kind of being. Shameless on the same coin, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's basically like, you're just willing to keep going until you can get it figured out. Probably two of the characteristics, I'd say, are are most important or kind of well-suited, kind of made me well-suited to be an entrepreneur.
0: During the journey of being an entrepreneur, have you ever received some advice that you think has been really helpful to you? And then also maybe perhaps some advice that you are glad that you didn't pay attention to along the way from either other entrepreneurs or just other well-meaning people? as you're developing your business.
1: Yeah. I think one of the pieces of advice that I'd say is probably the the best piece of advice and it sounds really simple and intuitive, but it's just you just got to do you you have to have like a doer's mentality and it's really easy to get caught up in paralysis by analysis, especially folks that are intellectual and they like to analyze businesses and kind of think about every problem and make sure that you're kind of analyzing everything from every angle. Oftentimes that ends up in this world of like paralysis by analysis. So just doing is probably, you know, other entrepreneurs kind of mentioned that to me early on some mentors and I think that's probably the best piece of advice. And that's probably the biggest piece of advice I would tell any other entrepreneur too, is to is like, do it. Like doing is a hundred X more valuable than making sure that you've kind of figured everything out. Me and my co-founder, I talk about it a lot. It's like, had we done even more kind of market research and so forth before we started Canary, like, we would have never started. I think there's a decent chunk of, like, conventional wisdom that gets put out there in terms of, like, business building that's just kind of, like, very general, where it's like, hey, when you try to hire a recruit, make sure you do so like this. Hire and just many folks at a time. Make sure this is the first type of hire that you have. Thinking about scaling this part of a business, make sure that you think about this holistically so that you're going to be able to meet the needs of every customer, etc. Right? And I think there's just a lot of general advice that comes out. Some of it's great, some of it's great, right? It's like you're not recreating the wheel. But oftentimes, it's like there's a lot of nuance. Every business is different you don't have the confidence to say like, no, I don't think that applies to us necessarily. Like, I think that it's quite different for us. You get a little bit stuck, I think. You kind of get stuck in the mud because you're trying to follow all these disparate pieces of conventional wisdom. I I don't know if there's like a single piece of advice, I'd say, but I'd say, generally speaking, you kind of take everything in Mm -hmm. and they're all data. And then you have to figure out like, what is the nuance? Why is my business potentially a little bit different that I need to think about something and we need to execute on it in this way rather than kind of following just the general guidance that's out there?
0: So you mentioned that one of the fun things that you enjoy doing is to just have a problem and figure out how to solve it. Can you think of maybe the most challenging thing that one of the hoteliers has asked you to do or one of the most challenging problems that you've had to solve or perhaps even one you weren't able to solve and are still working on? Or something that really took a long, long time to figure out exactly how to make it work? Yeah, I
1: mean, there's a ton of things that have come up on the product side, right? We're trying to figure out how do you drive certain types of users to utilize the product in a certain way and so forth. Those are like really niche individual to the product, but I'd say like holistically, uh, as being kind of like an entrepreneur problem solving, I think whether it's a problem, you know, one of the biggest things that entrepreneurs face when they kind of first start their businesses, also they start to scale, is just like, how do you build a team? Like, how do you go out there and how do you convince these really smart folks that are pretty well accomplished probably to come take a bet, They come take a bet on you? Like, how do you, how do you show them and, and you don't know them? Like, they're basically taking a leap of faith on you as well. They're taking it on the idea and the execution of it and so forth. So I'd say that was probably one of the the earliest things that I think back to as being, quote, unquote, kind of a problem that we had to think through and how to solve, right? How do we convince our first folks to join us? Especially as kind of first-time entrepreneurs, I think. It's even more so because you're really taking folks to take a faith or a leap of faith with you, telling them, we're going to figure it out. This is going to work. That's probably like one of the things that problem or kind of one of the first challenges we kind of cracked the nut on and solved. And that continues, right, as the through the evolution of the business as you kind of think through. Each stage and the different milestones you've hit, kind of how do you recruit at each of those stages, it's it's different. So I'd say that's probably the the evergreen challenge also, that you're also always thinking about how are you recruiting, how are you hiring, and so forth.
0: Has there been something that's been the most surprising to you as the CEO in terms of the thing that maybe occupies most of your time or the thing you think about at night, the things that you weren't expecting, anything that you've learned that maybe would be words of wisdom to pass down to another CEO about things that aren't so obvious, but are important to remember? Yeah, I think
1: one thing that's interesting is that, like, the leaders of the company, you know, the founders and so forth, oftentimes, like, your day is going to be contained with solving probably the hardest problems, right? Because things kind of flow uphill, uh, is the way to think about it a little bit, is like, if there's a problem that can't get solved by one team member, maybe they'll kind of go to their manager and their manager's not able to solve it Then it's kind of going to get elevated to you know, their manager and so forth. And so right. like, you find yourself, and it's going to come from all different directions, right? So it's going to come from sales or marketing or product or engineering. Like, the, the, Basically, the problems are basically going to flow in that are the top of the problems. Or the highest risk, Problems, meaning when you do make a decision upon it, it's going to have the the, the highest risk to, A, potentially being wrong and having the most impact also in the event that it is wrong. That's one thing that is critical for folks to also think about when they're founders, CEOs, and you're going to be, ended up being expected to solve the toughest problems.
0: And that's your whole day. That's not like one problem. And then the rest of the problems are kind of softball. just all of them are kind of these really pressing difficult
1: yeah challenges. It, it, and a piece of that also is that like these are going to be the toughest problems and there's going to be a lot of them coming from a lot of different directions and you're going to be required to not only you need to kind of prioritize which one of these is most important and, and then figure out a way to solve them or empower the folks that are with you to make sure that they're solving them that's probably the I, I don't know if it's necessarily kind of looking back I don't know if it's super surprising but it, it's pretty intuitive to think about now that was probably something to think about. And then the other piece there is also like you're always going to fill the gaps of what's missing, right? So like early on, you might not have a HR function or accounting or finance function, et cetera, or administrative function or an office manager, et cetera. And so like that all falls basically to the founders to kind of take on and, and, and solve for. A lot of folks say that, but then when you're in the moment, you're actually doing those things you kind of recognize it a little bit more in terms of like, wow, X percentage of my day actually went towards this. That's the other piece that I think is important for right. folks to remember is that right. like you have to fill out every gap. For folks that's energizing, they get excited by that. I think that's exciting and cool. And for other folks, probably not
0: so much. Right. Right. Well, and it probably really prompts you to make those hiring decisions that are so important to like fill someone to do that job so that you're not doing it, but you have to take your time and find the right person to do that.
1: Yeah. I think it's like all about like, what are the key pieces of leverage that you can get, right? Like what, what are you spending time on today that you could likely not spend time on tomorrow and allocate that time to something that's higher leverage.
0: Talk to us a little bit about your own personal habits and experiences and what, any things that you found really helpful in your entrepreneurial career. Are there ways you start your day or tools you use or any kind of habits that you feel like are really important that you don't know how you'd actually survive during the day without it that you think are good for other people to know about
1: yeah i'd say habits that i think are pretty helpful i I think like you have to have a lens of optimism when you're an entrepreneur Very frankly right like just like believing that you know there's going to be ups and downs as you're building and so like I think like just having general positive lens in terms of like, hey, we're either gonna solve this or when there is something that's not great, like this is gonna be short lived. And so I think that's like one thing is just like having a positive outlook and kinda, you know, continuously trying to remind yourself in terms of like what that looks like, right? So some self reflection there mm-hmm. that, that I, I try to think about, at least in the mornings on my comedian. That's one thing I'd say for me, just like tactical tools and And things there's a bunch of tooling out there but i use an inbox tool called superhuman that's quite popular i find that to be a tool that's like really really effective and really useful having cranking through your inbox and so forth additionally for me i have some time that i try to allocate like i have two young kids and so like as a habit i try to make sure that in the morning or in the evening at some point I'm making sure to kind of block some time to be present with my children. I won't say that I'm 100% always able to nail it, but try to make sure that I'm like consciously blocking time and being for that. And, and for me, I think that also has like a, almost like a self-reflection type of uh, experience for me when I'm actually present and, and, and there with my young children and trying to get my mind a little bit off the problem of the day. Probably some things that I do at least that mm-hmm. that that I think end up having a positive impact in terms of my approach and my ability to execute.
0: So, is there along the same lines? Are there some books or articles or any podcasts or anything that you listen to or read all the time that you think have been really helpful? Or business people whose careers or writings or anything that you follow that you admire?
1: Yeah. So I. I really enjoy like biographies, and oftentimes I end up gravitating towards biographies of folks in the business world for the most part. So I enjoy those. I think sometimes I also kind of like as I read through those, they they feel a little bit like fiction to me, and so I really enjoy those. And those have probably pretty impactful for me, as I kind of think back to some books and so forth that have been impactful. There's also another book that I, I oftentimes recommend to folks and. I'm laughing because I I know any of my friends that end up listening to this they're gonna be like oh I know exactly what he's about to say <laughs> cause I talked about it so much after I read it it was super popular it was Sapiens by Yuval Harari I just thought that was a very impactful book when I read it probably one of the more impactful books in my adult life I recommended that to a lot of folks
0: most of the biographies that you read are they you said some of them are about people who are in business is there someone in specific whose career you've admired.
1: A bunch of the biographies are not necessarily just business folks. There's one that's really good that I'd say it's pretty popular. It's called The Fish That Ate the Whale, which Mm -hmm. is about this guy named Samuel Zemarie. I I believe it was about, like, he was kind of considered the banana king. And so I think that's a really good biography, and that has nothing to do with technology, but I thought it was really good. I learned a lot from the Sam Walton biography, founder of of Walmart. It's all made in America. So I think he was really interesting. I think generally speaking, I think Jeff Bezos has a lot of interest. He, you know, and a, a lot of founders, I think, especially technology founders kind of admire a lot of the things that he's put out there and kind of frameworks in terms of how he thinks and how he operates his business and so forth. Those are a few that, that come to mind, right. having been pretty impactful. And then I do do spend a bunch of time also trying to look at. Just folks that run businesses that we consider similar to Canary. So folks right. that are running really great vertical software businesses out in the market. Founders of F- for Viva and Procore and so forth. Some of the best vertical software businesses of our time, probably.
0: I wondered if you want to share perhaps one thing that people would be surprised to find out about you.
1: Something that folks would find surprising about me. I played a decent amount of ice hockey growing up. I stopped towards high school, but I, I feel like people are normally pretty surprised. And then in business school, when I went to business school as well, there was a ice hockey league. that was It was more of a, a joke than necessarily a serious league. It was more just kind of a fun activity that right. a lot of folks learned. I think it was probably a little surprising that right. I actually I was pretty good. I'm pretty good at ice hockey as well. Which right.
0: Is, Do you ever get uh, to play I, in California? Do you play much ice hockey? Anywhere? I have
1: not. I don't think I've played at all <laughs> since being out here. Yeah, probably. Not.
0: Uh, maybe something folks would find surprising about me. Interesting. Do you follow professional ice hockey too?
1: I'm a big sports fan. I do follow basketball and football, but I don't follow hockey. I it was like I grew up playing it. More in fun and to play. Yeah.
0: What's the easiest way for people to find out more about Canary?
1: Yeah, you can visit canarytechnologies.com and just kind of click learn more. There's a there's a button there right on the top or feel free you can also just email me directly. It's H at canarytechnologies.com more than happy to always uh, chat with folks that are listening to the startup podcast. You're interested in being in an entrepreneurial environment that moves quickly and is a good opportunity to learn and grow quickly. would love to chat with you.
0: Right. Uh,
1: I'm sure a lot of a lot of the folks that our doing the chat, chat with you about potential opportunities at Canary.
0: Awesome. Great well thank you so much for joining us Harmon. Thanks so much for having me, Kathy. This is fantastic. Great. To find out more about entrepreneurship at Cornell and see the show notes from this episode, visit eship.cornell.edu. And a special thanks goes out to Abigail Younger, my editor extraordinaire.